0: That's heritageradionetwork slash fifteen to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March thirty first. Thank you.
1: That is such a good question. I think part of it, if I'm being very honest, is was naivety. <laughs> it was a, it. Was a, but when I when I say that it was a noise, it was the passion. It was a passion. It was a drive. It was a hunger. The entrepreneur. Right. Yes, that you know, I was young and I was hungry. I wanted. When I was, a, when I, cause I was in a managerial position mm-hmm. um, at the time, when I when I started my own business, and I just felt like I wasn't, I wasn't happy. So it was in, it was an internal force, and and I, and I say naivety because you know looking, back, you <laughs> know, when I speak to my mentees, I, I say look wait until you've got all your ducks in a row. Right. Um, frankly, I was still living at home back then, um, so I hadn't leave something to fall back right. on. But you know, if any moment, if they've got like if they've got family and stuff, I say take your time to really assess everything. Mm-hmm. Because, like you rightly said in, in, at the start of this question, you know, it's it's a done it's a done thing now. You know, that hustle thing is fashionable, right. but what people don't tell you is it's tough. Right. You know, it's not always financially lucrative. You know, are, are people really ready for what what right. being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. means? I no um but for me back then it was a, it was a little bit mobility but it was a hunger in
2: the drive. Right. hey everyone you're listening to item 13 a bi-weekly podcast covering everything african food and i'm your host yom tego every other week we'll delve into the world of african food chefs curators and bloggers i hope you enjoy it Happy New Year, guys. I'm thrilled to bring to you the dynamic Ronke Lawal on this first episode of the New Year. If you're a small food business owner or chef, this is one episode you should not miss. Ariatu Public Relations founder Ronke Lawal was born in Hackney, East London. Having graduated with honors from Lancaster University and the University of Richmond, Virginia, with a degree in international business, She started her own PR and communications business in 2004. Ariatu PR works with small businesses, startups, and entrepreneurs to help enhance their brand visibility, reputation, and media presence. In 2011, Ronke LaWa was honored to receive a precious award for inspirational leadership. She is a passionate advocate for enterprise, equality for all, and leadership. Her varied passions outside the business world include food, travel, music, literature, and most importantly, living a life she loves. We talk food business branding, Jamie Oliver, and yes, Nyjah Jolov too. Here's our conversation. Welcome to the show, Ronke. I'm excited to have you on. Um, I try to, I'm i trying to do something a little bit different. You know, I'm bringing in experts who have experience in the food business so that those Mm -hmm. that are listening that are chefs food bloggers you know thinking about going into their own food businesses can have different perspectives as to the team that can help them sort of elevate their food business game so i thought bringing the best in the business in terms of pr and see what (laughs) see what you have to say Um, to to sort of help boost um, African food businesses around the world, actually. We have listeners around the world. So let's start by talking about you. So who is Ronke? Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where did you grow up, all of that. Thank you. Thank
1: you. This is really exciting. I love the, the podcast, so it's great to be a guest. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm a PR consultant, so I've had my own PR consultancy for well over a decade, mm-hmm. um, and I was born and bred, <laughs> literally, <laughs> in London, um, in East London Hackney, uh, Nigerian parentage. It was really interesting because one of the things – I mean, I love food, and it's, it's this thing that I – and I realise as I'm getting older, it's more than just the love of the taste of food. Um, being born in the UK but being a member of the diaspora, so having parents who, were, who grew up in Nigeria mm-hmm. and who settled here – Food for me is an identifier, so right. it's like a a, 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 a a blanket, you know, mm-hmm. it's comfort. And I and I say this because because I I I I'm, I'm British, but I'm I'm also very much Nigerian mm-hmm. in the way I see things, and I'm, I'm proud of it. Food. Keeps me close to, to Nigeria, even though I obviously I don't live there. Right. Food doesn't doesn't judge me or make me. Food doesn't ask me where I'm from. Yeah. I can eat my pounded yam and enjoy it. I eat with my hands. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where you know. That's where the love of food comes from. But also, that's actually my background. Food has always been part of my background, mm-hmm. and it's it's strange because I've I I'm in, I'm in PR, um, but I've always had this little thing about you know just looking for opportunities to work with foodie. I've had some amazing food clients. I even have a food blog as a hobby. Right. So I still kind of maintain that love of food and that connection with food.
2: Oh, that's great, and and I guess that's how we met, right, through the through the world of food. So this is not sort of our first interaction. Um, and I sort of like when I, I, you know, obviously I follow you online on social media everywhere. And when I think about our community, when I speak West African community in particular, and um, what people end up doing in terms of their work, life, vocation, etc., mm-hmm. I always think, especially as immigrant. Um, an immigrant population, we almost always have defined, and Yvonne Oji says this actually very well, we always have these defined sort of career paths that our parents have for us, right? So I always think when I see people do something different, like how did you sort of discover that and then decide, you know, this is what I'm going to do, like PR,
0: that's such a good
1: question because it's 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 an industry that is not very diverse at all, and I'm so blessed that, that I can I've got a connection with PR um, agents and consultants mm-hmm. on the continent. So there's a great collection of um, PR publicists that I'm, I'm in, in contact with. Oh, right. I feel very alone. Um, think fact, obviously in the US and North America, there's, there's black right. publicists, but here it's we're not we're not very good at that. So I didn't really necessarily see anybody who looked like me. Right. But I'm very good. I love building relationships. I love business full stop. And it kind of, it was a, I, I it's a weird one because I was working, um, I had, you know, a great career, um, but then I thought I wanted to start a business and I was working on a friend's business plan and I noticed that I was quite good at the marketing element mm-hmm. of it and that's where it came. I just, I, I decided to start my own, it was at the time, cause I'd rebranded, yeah. marketing, business development and mm-hmm. PR. Um, and, but the PR was a thing. Like over the past few years, hence me branding about three years ago. To just focus on PR, but PR was a calling. It was a, It just came so naturally <laughs> to me. Um, but yeah, it was. It's a weird one because, like you rightly say. The only safety blanket with that. The only safety, I guess, the safety with that Mm -hmm. in terms of explaining it to my parents is I'm working the business or I'm still doing business. (laughs) (laughs) If something you're doing business, it's still okay, you know? Mm -hmm. If it was was any more creative, I think I would
2: have had a bit of an interesting (laughs) conversation.
1: But, you know, I've been blessed. My parents aren't so bad.
2: They're they're, they're not too judgmental. Okay. (laughs) So then let's talk about that name. Where does Ariatu come from? What does it mean? That that is actually my
1: middle name. And my middle name is Shariatu. Okay.
2: Um,
1: and so I just, t- I took something and I just love, I love, and it's such a really, it's a really good question you asked. So I love anything that celebrates myself, my mm. ethnicity, my culture, my heritage. And it's interesting because, a lot of people ask me that, and it's, for me, when I look at it, it's one of the easiest names to pronounce right. in their business, because NPR, there's a lot of interesting and unique agency names, right. but I do wonder if when they see the name and they see me, it's that, you know, that usual thing of, right. oh, how do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> Where's that from? Or where are you really from? It's yeah. a little tiny little things, but it is part of my name, and I think I chose it specifically not to give it too much of me because if I decided to you know pass it on or sell the business somebody could take you right. out yeah you know it's not wrong killer our PR right whatever. yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah but yeah it's and, and and in terms of um how I got it yeah it was just brainstorming and just mm-hmm. that love I just want in essence kind of going back to right. who I really am <laughs> and then
2: and then so you talked about you know how you started it back over a decade now like and I think about what 10 12 years ago when starting your own business also wasn't this cool thing. Now now it's called entrepreneurship or a startup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and, you know, start the next big thing. Like, back then, it wasn't such a, a cool thing, if you want to call it that. So, sort of what, um, you know, you've talked about the creativity, the passion that you had for it. But what sort of made you want to strike out on your own versus, you know, continue to work in... Uh, you know, an agency, for example.
1: That is such a good question. I think part of it, if I'm being very really honest, is was naivety. was <laughs> <laughs> it. was, a, it was a, But when I when I say that, people was "No, it's it was the passion. It was a passion. It was the drive. It was the hunger. The entrepreneur. Right. Yes, that. You know, I was young and I was hungry. I wanted. When I was a, when I, I was in a managerial position mm-hmm. um, at the time when I when I started my own business, and I just felt like I wasn't I wasn't happy. So it was in, it was an internal course and 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 I say naivety because you know looking back when I speak to my mentees I say look wait until you've got all your ducks in a row um I was still living at home back then, um, so I had not really something to fall back right. on, but you know, if anyone mentees, if they've got like, if they've got family and stuff I say, take your time to really assess everything, mm-hmm. because like you rightly said in, in, at the start of this question you know, it's, it's, a done, it's a done thing now, you know, that hustle thing is fashionable right. but what people don't tell you is it's tough right. you know, it's not always financially lucrative, you know are, are people really ready for what being what right. an entrepreneur mm-hmm. means? I don't
2: know <laughs>
0: um,
1: but for me, back then it was a, it was a little bit negative, but it was a hunger the right. To create a life and
2: so then, back then, how did you convince you know people to work with you, clients? Because I don't know, you know, it's what sort of your book of clients yeah. was at the time. Um, yeah. You know, what was that like? oh that was really. and you, and you, know you what, weren't it, really Kayla, wow you know back, I, don't, yeah. I don't know but like today oh, someone yeah. said <laughs> and this is it I this is it back it wasn't really even social media it was forums
1: right. there were business forums online I'm sure people know what I'm talking about where you would go on and right. ask a question and a bit like Reddit I guess yeah, uh, you, yeah. Ask, yeah. you answer mm-hmm. it so I would be on all those business forums I would go to networking events okay. and I would pitch you know I'd find clients it's just from and I think it was a it was it was a mixture of you know luck tenacity a personality I think I use my personality mm. to just convince you know clients that I was um you know worth working with but again it's that it's that young you know when you've got the youthful bigger girl, when you look your eyes, are so fresh. Yeah. <laughs> now, look back, looking back at it now, I'm like, wow, who was she? And I wish i bottled
2: more of it up, Right, yeah. So maybe in some ways it wasn't such a bad thing to start, you know, way back then when you didn't know what you know now, right? I think the older exactly. you get, the more risk-averse you are. And exactly. it's just harder to take that sort of next step to do something for yourself, et cetera. Um, cool and so then you also serve a variety of clients right in different industries and and maybe this is just like my lack of knowledge of PR but like from a business perspective as a consultant you sort of have to have an understanding of the industries that your clients work in to be able to you know offer them advice Mm -hmm. right so I don't know if that's the same thing in the PR space and how do you sort of keep up to date on what's going on in the different industries that your clients work in and how do you sort of use that to help them with whatever services they come to you with?
1: That's a great question. I think it's a slightly different model when it comes to Mm -hmm. PR because you can have a framework. PR and communications offers a framework. So yes, you should understand um, a little bit, you know, not a little bit, quite a bit about the, the industry that your client comes from, but really your client is coming to you to propel them forward. So they're okay. going to you for strategic advice based on PR communications, okay. which is transferable actually. Right. So as long as you you know, you can transfer it to any industry. As long as you've got a good and solid framework mm-hmm. of, you know, the P- PR and communication skills themselves, it is relatively fluid and the majority of clients, they don't necessarily want me to advise them on the intricacies right. of their industry per se. As long as, I, I'm very good at corporate awareness so mm-hmm. I just keep the tabs in terms of what's going on in the business world. And a majority of my clients tend to be startups or in the lifestyle industry mm-hmm. so it's not too difficult to keep tabs in those areas. okay
2: have been things. That's why PR okay. work. Um and then what sort of have been the challenges? so you've been doing this over ten years now. What have been the primary challenges that you say of running your own business? I think social media today makes it a little bit easier to get yourself out there, you know, talk about networking and events mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. But what sort of other challenges have you faced? Um That's
1: a really good one. Another good question. Thank you. Um, for me, it's been the, the challenge of of, of doubt. Um, mm, self-doubt and confidence is a major challenge. And I think we underestimate that. The challenge of, you know, not having to be perfect. I think we're always chasing that, that idea of perfection before right. we kind of execute. So I've, I've kind of, I get, I've got over that in terms <laughs> of, I like to action. My, my actions speak, speak volumes. Mm-hmm. Um also financial, in a sense of I've been I've been very blessed that I've my business has grown. I've got a great lifestyle business. So I i worked for myself, I can go wherever I want to go mm-hmm. and, it's, and I can have a really nice lifestyle. Um in terms of scaling up, I've chosen at the moment not to because I enjoy my consultancy life as an individual, yeah. right? But I do appreciate and understand that, that can be a challenge, and I think early on Um, in my business that was a major challenge I used a lot of my my own personal savings I didn't have anyone to invest in me Mm. and I think it's really important to really consider how we can encourage scaling up an investment and really talking about money and actually as an aside from that Even just, regardless of scaling up an investment in the business, just charging the right amount, I'm really, you know, over the past few years, I've become so much more confident in terms of asking for the right fee from clients, those monthly retainers, and I don't back down. And it's such a blessing that once you become comfortable and confident speaking about money, people will pay for your service. Um, I didn't realise that, obviously, when I was younger, but now it's just I don't back down from what my fees. And people are more more than happy to pay because they
2: see, Value. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, that, that you know, ability to speak about money, because actually, you know, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, um, just as I think about, you know, what my post corporate life is going to look like. And um, mm. one of the popular ones is how I built this, right. And it's so interesting mm. to hear um From the from a financial perspective, you know how people raise money, and to be fair, there's not a lot of people from our community on on these shows, and so it's very <laughs> interesting to hear from from their perspective how you know, like oh, some aunt gave me a hundred thousand. <laughs> <laughs> like $300,000 yeah. at me, with just a little investment. And then you think about, you know, how you're thinking about, you know, the small right. business that you want to grow And just thinking uh-huh. of even getting $20,000 and how that's mm-hmm. probably a little bit more of a challenge mm-hmm. in our community. Yeah, so. such, and you know what? It's
1: such a valid point. You've just picked up on something. And, and again, as a member's diaspora in the UK and in Europe, it's we, we. It's really important for us to have those kind of conversations about generational wealth. Right. And we listen to, a lot of us get so caught up in the the stories of these Entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. You know, the success stories, they're amazing. And, and obviously, it's great to be motivated by them. But what we're forgetting is the social right. structures that are in place. And like you rightly said, you know, when you start to dig, you realise, oh, that person got inheritance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not got parents. We can that from Africa can, can afford to right. even leave us in yeah. sort of So that's a really good point. Yeah, Lee, great. Yeah, I love that.
2: Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's a it's a challenge, I guess, from from our perspective. And so part of why I s I wanna start focusing on experts is that from our experience sort of working with African food businesses. I'm realizing that a lot of them are trying to do too much of everything, right? So if, if your expertise is making a sauce or, you know, like cooking your chef, mm. you shouldn't also be trying to do, I mean, as much as you can within sort of your constraints of finances. You shouldn't try to be doing your own social media, your own PR, your own finance, because then that sort of is distracting to what, you know, you're really good at. And then mm-hmm. I think that's what sort of muddies your um, focus and then doesn't allow you to compete as effectively with sort of other food businesses, right, in, in mm-hmm. whatever space mm-hmm. that you're in. And so I think that that's a thing that as we're trying, to, as these companies are trying to bootstrap, also think mm-hmm. about how they can use their limited resources to take advantage of other expertise that will sort of help mm-hmm. propel them forward versus just trying to do everything <laughs> themselves, you know
1: absolutely uh-huh. and i hope that message starts to really get you know resonate because there is i and i think in the food industry as we know you know money speaks volumes right. but also just strategic really look at the strategy beyond you know if you're a good cook chef or, or whatever create a good food creator of as you mentioned sauces or something right. recipes really think beyond your the, your right. skill and think how can you maximize those skills and if it means partnering up with somebody mm-hmm. with thing, it's worth it right if you've got those long-term plans for yeah you, it's
2: definitely worth it um so i actually think this is a good time to take a short break and then when we come back i want us to delve more into the topic of pr for food businesses in particular and then we'll sort of wrap it up with you know your food blog and then the rapid fire <laughs> questions okay all right um, <laughs> Alright, so welcome back. Um, I think we're now going to delve more into this topic of PR and African food businesses. And I think we sort of missed this in the first half of the show. So why don't we take a step back and talk about what is PR? What when we say public relations, what does that mean versus advertising, marketing, you know, etc.?
1: Sure, public relations is, in essence, the effective management of a, a brand's reputation. It's about communicating that reputation effectively and building solid relationships with the public or member of my members of the public right. in which a brand or organisation wants to speak to. So it's different from advertising in the sense of, with an advert, you're selling directly, right? right. PR is an ongoing communications process, and, and you're building trust with that. And that's why a lot of... Um, Organisations use PR for media relations specifically, Mm -hmm. so they're trying to get into the press, because once, you know, a a consumer or customer or client reads a good review or reads a positive write-up, it builds that reputational branding and that reputational um, image of the organisation or that brand, so...
2: That in a nutshell. Okay. And then what um what are the typical? You've sort of covered it on an umbrella level, if you will. But what yeah. are the typical services? Let's say top three to five services that a a good PR firm would would offer. And then if I'm coming into the space as an African food business, what should I be looking for? You know, in terms of defining what a good PR firm is, like you know, in terms of fit, etc.
1: Excellent. So a good PR firm should offer uh, crisis communications. I don't know where I started that that, I that, <laughs> but it's important for food because I'm sure some yeah. food businesses have gone through that. So crisis and managing... You know that how you can communicate a crisis, effect, how you can communicate effectively within a crisis, and how you manage the response to a crisis. Media relations, which is I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, is engaging with the press, um, getting interviews in the press, getting really good, you know, press coverage. But right. press coverage has to tie in with an overall strategy. It can't be like an ego-driven thing. It has to be about how we who are we speaking to? Are we reaching the correct audience? Right. And then finally, I'm gonna make it a bit more relevant to, to our day and age, our digital age now, influencer engagement. So the PR is now starting to cover that digital space. Okay. And so we're working with um, you know, online writers, online bloggers and influencers and content creators, YouTubers to help us um, right. share communication to core audiences. And I think that's really effective because these influencers have their own audience. Right. And th- those, th- those, th- those, the elements of those audiences can speak to the audience of our clients. So I think it's really important to, to, to get to know and understand the digital space with, when it comes to PR. Yeah.
2: And, and uh, it's interesting that you talk about influencer engagement, because I'm sort of one of those people that's sort of on the fence about that a little bit, mm. because... It, there's, I don't know. It's it's always hard to, <laughs> you know. You can tell I'm trying to read. go for it because it's one of
1: those interesting, it's, it's a fascinating topic, and I love talking about. Yeah, it. Yeah, I
2: mean, I think there's on the one hand, like, how do you tell like what true influence an influencer has, right? You know, like who, who who's buying followers and like how many of those one million followers are actually engaging with mm. with that influencer, right? And so mm-hmm. if I'm going to spend X amount of dollars or pounds, I guess, um, on mm. this influencer, That's... how do I know that I'm getting, a, you know, a great bang for my back? This is a fantastic question.
1: And, and this is where... And this is where the, the line starts to blur between advertising and PR okay. because in, in the digital space. Because if you're paying an influencer to uh, post something, that's clearly an advert. That's right. a sales-driven yeah. um, post. But if you gift, you gift an influencer something and say, look, would you like to review it? And to, if you like it, or even if you don't like it, just speak to your audience authentically about okay. it. That's more along the lines of the reputation I was talking oh, about okay. because you're building a your reputation. But you're right when it comes to the... The, um, the space now too many people are buying followers and likes and comments and right. it's ridiculous so there are tools available which i encourage people to just do some google research to find some mm-hmm. of the tools and also the, the ways to spot um fake um, fake influencers i hate to use them there <laughs> are fake <influencers, laughs> unfortunately. you know lack of engagement um if you've got a million followers um but you've only got two comments so for example <laughs> if you post something we know for, we know that you get Usually engagement or likes. When it comes to likes, yeah. they're usually around one percent, two percent of your follower okay. following. Following, um, so you can never expect a million likes if you've got a million right, followers. Yeah. So just be, be realistically, it's between two to five max percent, unless you know you're really really famous, right. like I don't know Beyonce. <laughs> um, and then then you look beyond that, you look at the comments. If you've got a lot of engagement, then that also shows us real authentic. Um, Uh, following however like i said some people do buy comments so again you've got to use some of those tools to test and like you say i think it's not difficult i i use common sense but i realize common sense isn't always common (laughs) (laughs) it's not difficult to start to spot like i feel like you know with some of the foodies that i follow and some of the business i follow you can kind of see who's really authentically got that following because Mm -hmm. people are just speaking you know asking questions real questions and then there's others where it's just like hi or you know really (laughs) random comments so it's yeah it's about using being wise but again it can only help if you've got you know maybe a social media person who can keep track because it's it's difficult
2: actually um so this is actually a good time to sort of segue into like your top PR tips for food businesses particular sort of our African food businesses in terms of what Mm -hmm. they should be thinking about T R wise, or reputation wise, mm. um, yeah, there's so much, and, but, and obviously we can't, we haven't got all, all, right. all day. But um,
1: you know, for the f- first, first, first of all, we obviously clearly identify your audience, as you would right. with any marketing, and mm-hmm. business strategy. Understand who your audience, who you're trying to tell your story to. Really be clear with your messaging. So that's why the comms element um, comes into play. Really be clear about your messaging. What's your brand ethos? Then think about your visuals. And I just cannot, you know, stress (laughs) how important it is. And we'd be surprised. Like, I don't know why people don't get this, but it's, you know, even if you can't afford a photographer, just, you know, invest in a decent phone and you can buy it. It's not even just, oh, we actually have some excellent phones that take really good pictures, but a a decent camera um, to take good quality pictures of your food. So if you've got food products, take good pictures of your food products. If you're a restaurateur, if if you're a chef, You know, really invest in good photography. Then if you've got, you know, on a cycle, I'd say minimum every quarter, write a press release. Press release is a a really good summary story of what you're doing in your brand. Write a good quality press release. Use it on your website. But also send it to journalists and food bloggers and food influencers to update them on the
2: progress of your company. I don't
1: think enough African businesses do that. Yeah,
2: that's actually a really good point.
1: Yeah, I think it's important
2: <laughs> But they don't do that enough. <laughs> Interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought of doing... <laughs> I, that's a good one to remember because then you're keeping people like top of... You're keeping your, your brand top of mind, right? Of...
1: Exactly, know, and that's where it, thats where the whole reputation and the, you know this it's communication, right? right? So obviously, if you've got nothing to share, don't share. <laughs> I always say every quarter, aim for something. Right. You know, it could be something new in the menu, or it could be something new that you're doing a, a YouTube series, or you know, a recipe, right. something. And the most successful um, food businesses that I know in the UK—that's they've got you know aside from obviously having a PR agency or a PR consultant assigned to them—they regularly feed out. Updates about what they're doing, you know, new menus, and I think I don't see that enough from African right. Honestly, I think a lot of now the generation just focuses on social media, but they're forgetting traditional, you no, know, no, traditional no. techniques still work right. and they work very well. Okay. So it's important to just to take the time okay, to do that.
2: Cool. Um, so I wanted to talk about Jamie Oliver for a second. <laughs> <laughs> You uh, <laughs> know, because we're doing PR, we, we're you know talking UK. So um, let's talk about Jamie. So we we all know, we should all know, if we, at least if you're in the food space, of his first his gaffe with jollof rice and sort of that backlash that came with that. And then mm-hmm. I actually thought of him because I just saw, and I don't know if you saw, this, a recent um, Indian recipe that he shared while working with a specific with a certain brand. Um, that got yeah, sort of that demographic up in arms it was like a burnt ch- chicken tikka versus you know he was calling it chard and then it became this whole thing about you know um which may call cultural appropriation etc etc and so first of all like what are your thoughts about jamie generally speaking and then maybe we'll do this two ways if you are his agent like how would you be crisis communication <laughs> you, know you know what's really interesting about uh, Jamie and I think people it gets
1: lost in the in the in the narrative is that he's an exceptional you know entrepreneur businessman he's he's so like when you look at what he's, he's managed to accomplish yeah. I cannot discredit him I just feel really. like he's a very strong he has a very strong brand when it comes to food mm-hmm. food What he tends to do, which I think, you know, a lot of foodies should probably do, is he tries to innovate and he tries to educate and he tries to open up new cuisine to Mm -hmm. his audience. The problem I find is where he could probably, what he could probably do is maybe invite a foodie of that ethnic background or that, uh you know, in... And he can still be part of the platform, but he should probably be inviting someone, you know, (laughs) a Nigerian, an Indian, a Ghanaian. He should invite, you know, a, a fresh talent... Side by side, you know, if I was a publicist, that's what I'd be saying. Cause I think it'd be really exciting right. for him to be um, inviting those people onto his platform, and they wouldn't take anything away from him because he's a multi millionaire right. and he's got such a great brand. I think what he's doing is, and that's where the idea of cultural appropriation comes mm-hmm. in, he's, he's just taking it, it looks like he's taking over. But I do think his intention mm-hmm. is, is right, he's just the execution right. just comes off completely wrong. Yeah. Remember, I mean, the thing that's funny, we, 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 we can, we can, you know, we can diss him all we like, but ultimately he had people, more people talking about Joe on Price right. than actual Africans. Yeah. You know, he made it global and actually, you know, he did us, a, he did us a favour with Africans and I think hopefully more African businesses have taken advantage of that um and all other kind of you know whatever cuisine he he miscooks or he misappropriates <laughs>
2: hopefully they take a bite,
1: it too well yeah so then so strong. then
2: from that from coming from that angle then if you were working with an afghan food business and there was a moment where sort of jamie had a gap, like how would you work with them sort of capitalize on that moment where everybody's paying attention to jollof or chicken tikka or whatever <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's two ways because what we you know we could easily do. You could you could really do a brand focus on your jollof rice range your a restaurant. Yeah. you know, welcome the world, invite local news in. There's got to be so many um, opportunities for press right. when you know when he when he does these um, <laughs> you know take these gaps. But on the flip side, you could also say, look, you know, world, jollof rice is great, but that's not all we eat. Okay. You know, or we're well, the that's teacher, really you know, chicken rice yeah. is
2: great, but. <laughs> that's really smart actually. Yeah, just flipping yeah. In and then just not and then you sort of take the focus away. Then it's not so much of a diss of Jamie But saying, Hey, like look what else we have to offer. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> okay. Um, so then you also write a food blog. <laughs> yeah. Um Who's for Dinner? Which I always Yeah I've always seen that that sort of um title and I'm wondering like why who's for dinner and not what's for dinner? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a really good question. I'm I'm gonna, um... <laughs> well, usually I just I like to think of myself as being our host.
0: Okay. So who's coming for dinner? It's oh, like, is like right. a little play
1: on the terminology of who's coming for dinner. Yeah. But originally, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, of a secret. It's not going be a secret anymore. When that, when I, years ago, when I was in my entrepreneurial um, yeah, kind of enthusiasm of a, new, really? a young person in my 20s, I launched that brand as a dating brand yeah it was supposed to be singles meeting for dinner oh my goodness who's coming for dinner different restaurants across London but um going back to the kind of not having a financial investment technology. <laughs> and I, if I had a tech partner, I think we would have been bigger than Tinder uh, or, or Match <laughs> Up. That is a brilliant, brilliant idea though. It was an excellent <laughs> idea. So then in the end I thought, well I love the name, I'll keep the name. I still love my food. Um a few I think, I think people did meet. I, I couples met, but I don't oh, know interesting. what happened. To me. Oh, so gosh. I thought i keep it and yes, yeah, so it's who's for dinner as if I'm the host and welcome to my blog and me. But now yeah, you know the real backstory now. The world. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
2: okay great and and it's just an avenue for you to sort of explore the foodie side of 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 yourself right yeah just anything you know it's just and i and
1: i and i I have a little bit more of an emphasis on on on, um, nigerian west african food or african food actually globally but Mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm as i I said i'm 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 british born so european food comes into play that's also part of who i am i like to just eat out i cook a lot at home i'm very I, I'm one of these people who could either go to a restaurant once in a while or I'll yeah. cook, but I rarely ever have, you know those ready meals? You know, right, yeah, do, yeah, yeah, I can't do a ready meal, I can't do anything like that. <laughs> or even takeaway bread, yeah. like a takeaway treat is really like, oh, okay, I'm really tired, I need treat. Yeah.
2: But yeah, so. <laughs> Interesting. Actually, I didn't, this is not one of the questions that I thought about before, but once you mentioned sort of, you know, you're British Heritage, Nigerian heritage. What what are your thoughts on like this this movement, if I want to call it that, on like African fusion food? And I'm thinking about that because I this weekend I was at a Nigerian fusion um, food event, um, mm-hmm. which was great. The food was great, but it just had me thinking again about you know how much are we as we're trying to bring our food to the rest of the world? How much are we trying to cater to Western preferences and palates versus Putting forward, you know, our authentic oh, food, wow. right? Yeah. And so, in in uh, and there's sort of, I mean, you are in London, so you've obviously heard about equally and what the mm-hmm. work that they are doing there. There, and
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it'll be interesting to get your thoughts on that too. Just yeah, kind of I think, and
1: I think it, yeah. because good. being in London is, is a great city to be. In, so you see lots of kinds of right. cuisine: Turkish, Chinese, right. Italian. But like you rightly said, it's. We get we get those those cuisines in their authentic states. Right. Now, obviously they're not gonna be exactly the same as in the country where we really right. know that yeah. because they do have to, you know, tone down certain right. ingredients. They might not be able to get certain ingredients. Mm-hmm. So there's certain but overall the authenticity is there. You know, when I'm going through right. Brick Lane, when I go for a curry, majority of the time you still get an essence of you know, Bangladesh or India or Pakistan. And so what I find is, and, and obviously as the popularity increases, that's when you can innovate and become right. more. Yeah. European as such, you're just innovate, innovative. But with Nigerians, for your right, I think it's a winner because in you, for example, in New Cross um, uh, old Kent Road, I should say. There's lots of Nigerian, Ghanaian mm-hmm. um, restaurants, and I think the majority of them are very authentic. The problem is they're not selling themselves in a way that uh, is open. So people, most, if you know where to go, you'll go right, yeah. find your Nigerian,
2: Ghanaian
1: food, or any kind of West or African food. But they're not, they're not, they're not uh, marketing in a way that makes it accessible. Right. And so what you're finding is a more modern food entrepreneur feels that like they need to to make it accessible. They need to. In over innovate to <laughs> like you say, right. over- to make it palatable, and I just feel like, can we can we just first get the foundation right. right? Yeah. Let's get people to know, you know, what our soups and stews are about first, and then we can do right. this amazing kind of, you know, I don't know, innovation, which is great. I feel like it, it's it's we can do both, right? <laughs> but I feel like it's still a long way to go. In terms of, you know, I want them to talk about our soups and stews the where they talk about curries mm-hmm. or, or Thai food or, you know what I mean? I just right. really feel like it's a long way to go. Yeah, just... and,
2: and, and I agree with you. And I think that that's my stance, too, in that, like, I've been to... You know, I've had the traditional, like, Indian food, right? Like, the naan and the curries mm. and all of that good stuff. And I've also been to, um, especially when I lived in South Africa, like, Durban is known to be sort of the hotbed of Indian food. And mm. so in Durban, you'll find all sorts of quirky, interesting um, variations of Indian food. So, but, so when I've gone to, like, restaurants in, in, in Durban, I've had, you know, like, a curry that's done in a completely different way. Like, I appreciate it knowing what original curry is supposed to be like and then what they've done with sort of their version of it, right? But if people mm-hmm. are being introduced to um I don't even know what you want to call it, like for weiro in like a in a way <sighs> that's just not recognized <laughs> for their first time, right? Like that's, I don't know. For me, it's great as a foodie to sort of experiment and experience that, but I think as an introduction to our cuisine that sort of, I don't know, I exactly. don't know what the answer is, you know, to be exactly. Well, it's
1: a little bit, if you look at it from a, from, 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 from a, a trade perspective, business perspective, you know, you start with the industrial revolution, you start with the basics, right? then you kind of drive up and you innovate to the tech, you know, so I feel like, let's start with the real raw, if I think about British food, real raw roast, you know, roast <laughs> yeah. and veg and gravy, and then you can innovate and become a Michelin star with yeah. bits and pieces. I feel like it's important to get the authenticity right first, and then and and really like promote and push yeah.
2: and let people know, and beyond your fries. People always talk about fries <laughs> It's the only thing anybody. And, and it's and it's um, funny because I I'm probably one of those that's sort of guilty of um <laughs> pushing and and to be to be honest, it's not sort of my favorite thing to eat. <laughs> but like <laughs> but you I know, come I come I come at it from the perspective of, okay, if this is the thing that's gonna start a conversation about African food, then fine. Like, I'm just going to throw my hands in the air and, and do it. Because then you will have Mark Zuckerberg and Prince Charles and whoever. When they come to Nigeria and... You no, know, like, when they come to Nigeria Ghana, like, that's the, that's the thing. Because they've read somewhere that that's the thing I should talk about. And so... <laughs> for better or for worse, true. right? I think that that's it true. at least gets the conversation started. That is oh, true. My. And, I know, you know, I'm guilty of talking about Plantain all
1: the time. And actually, Plantain is... You know, you know what I mean? But then we also, remember we're forgetting that, you know, East African cuisine, Ethiopian yeah. cuisine, we've been doing really, really well. And that's yeah. one of the <laughs> cuisines that comes in its authentic right. self. And it's almost like they don't even need to talk about it because it's, whenever <laughs> I walk past any Ethiopian <laughs> restaurant in London, it's <laughs> packed. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm always, it's, it's I that's, that's, Fascinates me so much too, because you're right. It's, it's so authentic. Like they don't do anything to change. Like in some of the Ethiopian places, you sit on the floor, like you eat with your hands into the whole communal eating thing. And it's not like people don't struggle with that, you know? And so I, I, I don't know how. Ethiopians did it and <laughs> I don't know how the <laughs> yeah, rest so of the country... yeah. how
1: they did it. <laughs> yeah, and
2: how the rest of the continent sort of needs to be thinking thinking about that too, yeah. Um great. So uh, let's talk about then like how you find balance. So I'm always and, and this is sort of my theme for the rest of the year twenty nineteen, like finding balance, right? Like I feel like um, especially for women I don't want to make this a uh, woman thing but like African women black women there's just so much that we have going on or that we feel we have to have going on juggling and so for someone like you at least mm-hmm. from what I can see on my, like you know mm-hmm. between Ariatu and blogging and you know I know you do a lot mm-hmm. of volunteer work and um, you speak mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. events you keep mm-hmm. black twitter lit oh, <laughs> and, and, and sort of and then the rest of your personal life right that we don't get to see on Like, how do you find that balance? How do you take care of yourself while sort of keeping... All these balls of your life, like juggling oh, the like, really, yeah.
1: But the clue is in the question. It's,
2: it's also keeping
1: my my personal life and private life offline. So I'm very engaged. I love social media. I love how I love just watching, you know, this renaissance and how the media is changing. Um, but I've also managed to separate that from who I am mm-hmm. at home. I might dip in a little bit. I might show a tiny yeah. bit <laughs> of what I'm doing. But it it really helps, actually. Um, you know, from a, from a holistic level it really does help to keep me grounded and also helps to to me to, to keep me switched off so once i'm off i'm off you know I, I i i'm good at using tools to um to help with you know scheduling my social media content mm-hmm. and then also because i just don't overthink things like twitter or instagram yeah. so you know i might post once or once or twice once or, every one or two days on Instagram, but I don't I'm not I am i do not consider myself to be an influencer, so I don't yeah. have any pressure to post my right. um, you know two mm. hours or something. But on <laughs> Twitter, if I'm you know for me Twitter is it's like the easiest yeah. thing to be on. Um, but yeah, it's really important to have a, to have a, a, a not a private life that is yours right. and knowing when to switch off. You know, my weekends are mine, and there'll be some day like I just i can just do i can just once all my work is done and my clients are happy my weekends are mine nobody can really
2: disturb me i can do what i want
1: and i think it's really important um that Mm self-care and it's not about you know necessarily going for a massage or treating myself or going shopping but it is just about knowing when to switch off and also recognizing the value in all our platforms so how are we managing all our systems i get Mm -hmm. i get help i outsource when i need to outsource can't do everything myself. Right. Automate when I need to automate, mm-hmm. but also like you know, if, if Twitter was for me, Twitter's not toxic. But if it was, if it became toxic, then I wouldn't use it. Yeah. Sometimes you know what I mean. So it's just knowing how you 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 manage it for yourself
2: and, and what your intention is with okay. each of these platforms. Good. Um, let's see. So then, what's next for um, Ariatu PR? Because I know you know you've talked about sort of keeping it small um, and manageable. You're not thinking about scaling up mm-hmm. yet, but Sort of when you think about even the next year, what do you think um, is next for you? Yeah, that's.
1: I think for me, I. Um, it's interesting. You mentioned earlier in your question earlier about speaking, and more and more I've been invited to speak, mm-hmm. and um, whether that's keynote speak speeches or facilitating seminars um on pr personal branding so for me i'm seeing as something there that i'd like to, to tap into okay. more of and that means obviously utilizing myself like right. literally being visibly, <laughs> visibly around right so again um I'm going to really try and see how I can I can get more into the space of just you know speaking, but not just for the sake of speaking. All my speaking is intentional. It's mm-hmm. not about becoming famous, and <laughs> it is about serving a purpose mm-hmm. to an audience. So all of my all of my speaking engagements have been um, intentional, um, and the business. You know, I love. I'm, I'm really blessed. I'm getting more. Interestingly enough, uh, recently getting more food clients, so that's really exciting. Yeah. African food clients. That's quite exciting um and potentially more international clients once in a while at least every you know every so often i'll get an international client but it would be great to get some more mm-hmm. and if i do get more international clients then i think that would give me the catalyst you know encourage me to perhaps you know get more uh staff on board but we'll see if i get more if there's a, a global appetite for to clear, yeah. then yeah we'll, we'll see how we can put an office somewhere else yeah. you know? <laughs>
2: Well, I certainly hope that happens for you because I think what you do provide a valuable, so ser- invaluable service actually. And I hope that, you know, the African food businesses that are listening actually really take a step back to think about how they're communicating to the rest of the world in terms of what mm-hmm. they're doing or how they can better do that if they're doing that already. Um, mm-hmm. And I think part of why I wanted to speak to you and share sort of what you're doing is but I think it's a really critical sort of almost missing piece in a lot of what these businesses are doing. So hopefully um, everyone that's listening got something good out of this. Um, and actually, before we transition to rapid fire, can you let people know where they can find you online, social media, et cetera, so that if they want to get in touch with you...
1: Sure. I'm on dot com, and if you find me you can, I'm on Instagram and Twitter I'm on YouTube uh, as well so you can find me all over oh that's media.
2: right you know we forgot to talk about I love your YouTube videos I'm sorry oh, <laughs> forget it oh, we're running <laughs> out of time here but that's like a really good resource for anyone that's sort of trying to sort of figure out if PR is a good fit for them or if Ariattu PR specifically is sort of good for them like you have a really good thank authentic you. voice I think and especially for our community i think it's always nice to work with someone that sort of understands the community and sort of where you're trying to go with with your business so youtube also i'll remember to link link to your youtube when i when i put this out there Um, Thank you. okay so rapid fire questions uh let's go i think these these are pretty easy actually Okay, okay let's do this um swallow or rice Swallow. So, like, mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, buffet or a la carte, what do you think? Ooh, at a car. It's a tough one. We're just doing some good buffets. But I don't sort of like standing in the queue. Yeah, like a and I don't know. Like buffets for me are always it's a hit or miss. right? Depending on how yeah. long it's been out there, and like I don't even know. Yeah, that's just um, unless a place has a really good reputation for the buffet. Like I just don't. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're well enough, so you know you're not gonna get food poisoning. Yeah. it's <laughs> Um, red wine or white wine? Ooh, red every time. Okay, Coffee or tea? Tea every
1: time.
2: I think you answered this question already, but dine-in or take-out? Dine-in. Yeah, yeah, I yes. think you did mention that a little bit. <laughs> um, are you a morning person or night person? oh can't I be an afternoon
1: person <laughs> <laughs> I peak in the afternoon really I'm better,
2: the, I'm better at night I guess okay, yeah that's it. yeah so maybe if you're an afternoon person you're probably closer to a night person because I'm a, <laughs> definitely a morning person like I can oh, really? my day at five and be done by three like by 3 p.m. I'm just zonked <laughs> out like that's when I start <laughs> to do like admin stuff stuff that doesn't require me to think really. <laughs> but, <laughs> by then, I'm just like all shot. Um, I think I know the answer to this too: Instagram or Twitter? Twitter, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so I was also gonna ask you this about Twitter: Is there any topic? Because I feel like you, you literally you <gasps> pop culture, everything you're on it. Like, but is there <laughs> any topic that you wouldn't touch on Twitter? Oh, as an Oh my goodness. You know what? If I don't
1: know, like, say, say my, you know, say my length, say something I don't know about. I am not open up that kind of word. That's probably why I enjoy it because I know myself. Yeah. Why am I going to talk about things I don't know about? So there's certain <laughs> topics that most things because I'm, I'm a liberal you know, a liberal thinker right? I yeah. think people should enjoy themselves and their lives so I'm okay talking about most things but if there's something that I'm like whoa yeah. then I won't even touch
2: it okay. like, and I don't know
1: anything about it then there's no yeah, yeah. but would you <laughs> even
2: put it out there if you wanted to learn about it for example um, or just wouldn't just because of how vicious Twitter can get yeah, just not
1: you know what? I'm trying to think what it would be because most of the time you know what, I'm, I'm one of these, like, most of the time I'm trying to think, there's nothing really... I would Google. I wouldn't even ask you to help me. <laughs> I would Google in my face. I'd be like,
2: well, okay. i keep it offline. Yeah. I'd keep it on Twitter. i keep, yeah. keep it on Twitter. The
1: screenshot. Yeah. The screenshot's, uh, the got screenshots got 20, stuff. Like, you know, there's I'm
2: nothing. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. Google. Okay. It, Google is our friend. Yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> if you don't know. Okay. And then... I cringe when I ask this question But I have to ask Can I for off I touch Ah you <at> this one <laughs> <laughs> I even, Okay You know
1: what this us go back the previous question That's the topic I like to stay clear about <laughs> it depends on the season because I've had some really delicious ganache lot you, and I've had some really delicious Nigerian <laughs> a lot you know like, Nations, you, you're, being, you're
2: being very diplomatic right now <laughs> but that's okay well you know I'm
1: gonna have to say Nigerian because obviously I'm Nigerian but, but you, don't to me... have
2: to, you don't have to though that's what I tell like, ah. I'm like, you just don't have oh, to oh no no if you, no, if no, you no. Know... I have to say it I can't, I can't <laughs> if you know I'm not to me already
1: like me I can sense it okay <laughs> yeah, Nigerian Nigerian um, always
2: okay and then the last question I have for you is: What your favorite African restaurant anywhere in the world, and why? And why it is your favorite African restaurant?
1: Whoa, 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 whoa! Oh my goodness. Um, the names. See now, you're putting me on the spot. There is one. There is is a couple actually. It's a difficult one because um, quite a hit of names. There's a blue. It's somewhere called the Blue Nile, which is in South East oh. London, in Woolwich. Um, in in Woolwich, Southeast London. That's an Eritrean Ethiopian oh, okay. restaurant. Love that place. Um, I actually, I actually really enjoy. Um, I used to really enjoy Eight Hundred Five. I haven't been in a while. And then there's there is there's one in Hackney, a Nigerian restaurant. It's going to really bug me. Um, I've not been in one in Homerton. Okay. It's Nigerian restaurant. It's absolutely amazing. I wish I'd written it down because now I'm it's going to bug me. I can't <laughs>
0: remember.
1: But um, it's amazing. But it's in Homerton in Hackney, and that I think actually I've always, all of the restaurants I've spoken about that is probably my favourite. Oh, doing amazing. okay. Yeah, they do really good. They're, they're one of those, you know, Nigerian, authentically Nigerian. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah and also there's another really good Ethiopian restaurant in Camberwell okay actually yeah I think that one beats Blue Nile sorry
2: uh,
1: Blue Nile if listening but um <laughs> if you google Ethiopian restaurant Camberwell yeah that will come up okay. it will come up and it's amazing okay. sorry I just... <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> I that's okay an and I
2: need to I'll need to remember that for the next time I'm in that especially the Nigerian restaurant because unfortunately I I just haven't had the best of experiences with oh. with Nigerian, and it's not to, not to knock off. And which is part of why I actually started my platform and all of this, because I I just felt like people can cook well, but everything else they just need to to sort of raise their standards with that a little bit. Yeah, so so yeah. I just haven't but, had maybe and a London is is good. I had it when they had their pop up in in Hackney. And I thought for me, sort of, that was the best. But it, it's not like a standalone, you know. It's a pop up thing. So when I think of sort of a permanent site for a restaurant, Nigerian restaurant, I, there's just none that comes to mind. Yeah,
1: try. Um, I, I, just, I just can't. It's the name come back to me. Echo Restaurant in London. Okay. So try it, um, and also try, you know, Tokumbo's Kitchen. Tokumbo. It's like actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Does, um, so that's the thing.
2: Time. Like, uh, I've had like good pop up experiences. I'm also thinking again to the point about, and it's probably tied to financial reasons, right? Like having a exactly. lot of these be, become permanent sites because you know you go and expand it, and you know if you're craving it on a particular Saturday or oh, whatever, there's no <clears> place <throat> to go because you're not mm-hmm. uh, exactly, yeah. It's a, but
1: you know what? We sometimes I think we, we need somebody who could do like a a food tour of Nigerian, Ghanaian. Um, actually, really, there's not an Ethiopian restaurant. There's not many other cuisines. There's a the Senegalese, isn't there? Yeah. There's not many other African mm-hmm. cuisine restaurants, standalone restaurants in London. We do need to get like a list of real, kind of, right.
2: quality Well, that's not a bad um, idea, actually. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's
1: time. But again, it comes with the publicity. And if journalists yeah. <laughs> are interested, then they'll do it. Yeah. If journalists
2: are interested, they'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Good point. This is fantastic. Okay, thank you for agreeing to do this. This It's such a pleasure talking to you. Thank Um, you. Yeah, this is great and I actually learned some stuff that I didn't even know yet. That press release (laughs) idea on a quarterly basis, even just for someone like me that's not tangential to their food business, it's, it's good to sort of get out what we're doing on on our regular
1: yeah and you do so much so you really do need to make sure you put that down because i think the world needs
2: to hear more about you you do amazing work thank you um so great (laughs) yeah so hopefully people get a lot out of this i think that they will and um we'll put out your information so people can get in touch and thank you thank you excellent thank you Hey guys, thanks for listening to Item 13, an Essence 13 production. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes. To keep up to date on news and events from Essence 13, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Essence and the number 13. Thank you.